Rogue Agronomist Podcast with Kyle from Stall Agronomy. You never know what I may say or who will be on, but you know it'll be real because that's me. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is going to be... Well, originally I had one topic that I wanted to talk about, and uh, I'm changing that based on... One, it's like mental health awareness right now. Um, and two, I, I commented on something this morning that kind of was something I dealt with in my life, and um, we're going to talk about it. And that uh, that is technically, it's I guess it's termed in most circles as gaslighting. And gaslighting is something that a lot of narcissists do. And whether or not you know what gaslighting is, I guess we'll give you the somewhat technical definition, but what the, what it really is, um, it, it's emotional manipulation. Uh, it, it's something that narcissists love to do, uh, just to prove that they're something that you need. Um, it's, it can involve ultimatums and in my life, um, and in my professional life, uh, I've dealt with a couple people like that. And, in both instances, I'm pretty sure they were actually, in fact, narcissists, and they were trying to gaslight me. And one of the things that can fall under gaslighting in the tools that some narcissists use to, you know, basically control your emotions and, and control you is, is using ultimatums. And that's uh, that's been my main source, um, especially when you're the salesperson. Uh, the the retail agronomist the the person that they're they're dealing with or the point person at uh, the retailer they're working with um, there's it's often that you get ultimatums I mean I would say there are times where you are given an ultimatum by somebody and it's not gaslighting um, maybe they're unhappy maybe things just aren't going well. Um, but then there are those people that use ultimatums even when things are going well or you had basically done your due diligence. Um, case in point, I had a guy that pretty much every year I would get get a phone call on a Sunday night from them. And it was, it was always that uh, the fields were off or it was on a Saturday night, whatever it was. Fields are off. Now I need my freaking fertilizer spread, and that's that's the nice way of saying what he told me. Um, so I got pretty wise after about three, four years, and I would call this guy on a Friday when I knew they were starting to harvest because, you know, I worked next to the grain location, so I pretty much knew what's going on. And I'd be like, hey, yeah, I see you guys are starting to combine. Are you going to want some fertilizer spread this weekend? You know, if I let the guys know today, we might be able to get it done. No, no. It'll be fine. Just wait till Monday. And then without fail, Saturday night, Sunday morning, whatever it was, I'd get the like ultimatum phone call of whether you want my business or not, you better get here and blah, 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 blah. And after about seven, six or seven years of this, um, that guy left and he called me, I think in December and I said, Hey, do you need or prepay pricing? What do you want to do here? He's like, no, nah, you're going to give me all your prices and I'm going to go to our competitor and he, he was going to take his business there. And I said, well, you know, um, honestly, I think you might be happier. 
And every year, without fail, this guy would call my boss and complain about me because we wouldn't work on Sundays or whatever it was. And he uh, he did that this time. And he called my boss and told my boss that he was upset that I'm not mad that he's leaving. And my boss called me afterwards and he goes, I, I literally just told him, what do you expect? <laughs> I just told you. You just told him every year for the last like six or seven years that he's a worthless piece of crap and, you know, they, they don't work on Sundays and they work hard enough for you. What's he supposed to say? That he's really sorry that you're leaving? He's like, no, <laughs> just go away and be happy. And obviously, you know, that was the end of that story. Um, but that was the first time, that uh, was the second time I ever fired somebody. Um, you know, if he wasn't going to, leave us, I was going to fire him. And it worked out fine. And he was, and one of the best things was when he called my boss to complain. Um, I had another guy that was way more extreme than that. Um, and it wasn't, you know, I could predict the one person, right? You know, we knew every year that um, this guy would call. And this other guy would just randomly do it. You know, and it wasn't that every year he did this ultimatum thing. It was like random times. So some days it could be like a Monday night and I'd get a phone call and it was like, you guys are going to spread my fertilizer tomorrow or I'm going to go to your competitor. I don't even care. And you're like, I, you, you have done nothing for me all year and I need you to come spread my fertilizer right freaking now. And I'm just like, dude, I was driving your green cart last night. Um, you know, I've been there pretty much almost every day, uh, almost all year. And none of that mattered. And it was it was kind of sad. And it, it put in a fairly large emotional strain on me. And that really pushed my anxiety uh, to the point where 2019, I think he took prevent plan all but 40 acres. Um it was, it was a big struggle for me the next year because we had, you know, essentially uncontrolled weeds, even though we did control them a little bit, but, you know, you're not going to have perfect weed control after not planting a crop for an entire year. So that fall, uh, walking fields, um, you know, I, I just, I lost it emotionally because, you know, I knew he wasn't going to be happy with the weed control. And, you know, it just bothered me from, the first time he, he called me and tried to gaslight me in the middle of the summer and just like, oh, my God, there's weeds everywhere. And I'm like, there's really not weeds everywhere. There's just a couple fields. Um, and it, it really churned from that into the gaslighting over a period of 12 or 13 years just pushed me past my brink. And that really led me to have a huge panic attack. Um really started, you know, I had been seeing a therapist or talking to a therapist before that. And literally it was just like, bam, it hit me, uh, talking to my therapist and he's like, Oh my gosh, this makes sense because you just been all over the place. And he's like, I really honestly think the guy you're working with is a narcissist. He's like, he is the source of all of this pretty much. And you know, me, the person who's being gaslighted. So you know, they're, they're using ultimatums, using any kind of manipulation techniques. There's, there's a bunch of different things that can go under gaslighting. But essentially, that was going on for years. And for me, I, I was just like, no, no, no. He's, you know, it's just him. 
right? You know, I, I, I'm just like, no, it's no big deal. You know, I, I've dealt with this. This is, this is different. This is, you know, this is genetic, which it is. Um, and this is something my entire family's apparently dealt with that I just found out about. And, you know, I got put on medication. And as the next year and a half, two years went by, I started kind of noticing this. And I'm just like, you know, actually, <laughs> this is not healthy. Um, and it, it makes me want to drop everything and, and just basically stop what I'm doing and, and try to help this guy. And, you know, and it got to the point the last year where he would literally purposely call you know, save phone calls until noon to see if I was eating lunch because you, heaven forbid, you don't answer your phone at noon and on a day where you're not even busy at all in the middle of summer. And he would literally wait until he was pretty sure I was home and try to call while I was eating dinner so that I would be forced to answer the phone. Those are also gaslighting. Um, so you figure in the ultimatum thing, you figure in the gaslighting as far as, you know, figuring out what time to purposely call me to cause the most mental anguish, essentially. And it just got to the point where I'm like, I can't even answer the phone anymore. And it really hit ahead when uh, I want to say uh, it was last fall. Um, I got a phone call and it was like, you know, everybody had left them. Uh, big surprise, right? And everybody had left. Uh, nobody was dealing with this guy. And he was essentially on his own. And, you know, I'm soil sampling. I had 2,000 acres, I think, at that point lined up. And I had to get them done. You know, we're talking end of October, early November. We don't know what the weather is going to be like. I need to get this stuff done. And we're talking way more money coming in for me than what I would gain potentially by helping and I was just like, you know, hey, man, I, I got to get my stuff done first. Maybe in a few days I might, might have some time. And I got the huge story. And without going into huge detail, I basically just got told that my life has no comparison to how bad this person's life was. And that was it. He stopped calling. I didn't call him back because I'm like, well, if he's not going to call me, I'm not calling him. And then I started researching narcissism, and I, I really was like, yep, yeah, this is not healthy for me. Um, this is a bad relationship. I, I can't continue to do this. And later on, I actually did the research and went through my phone records for that year. And for that year, someone who was 5% of my business, maybe 10 at the at the high end, depending on, on what we did, but... That accounted for over 25%, closer to 30% of my incoming phone calls. It was insane. Multiple phone calls a day, multiple phone calls until I answered, um, you know, and, and nasty voicemails. I saved a bunch of those just for, I don't know why. I, I still have them. Uh, literally voicemails of just ripping me a new one. Uh, you know, there are some nice ones, but most of them are the nasty ones. Um and just trying to gaslight me into, you know, doing what this person wanted. So where is this all going? Um, I saw a tweet this morning, and it was someone who works in retail, and they were talking about some of this and how how they their mental health is important. Um, you know, it's 
it, it's the scary side of the business, right? It, it's, you know, you don't want to lose business. And it, it's when you get these ultimatums and they're always at like Sunday at eight o'clock at night. And it's so scary that this happens to other people. But you, you get these things and you you have to determine, am I willing to upset my employer uh, by upsetting this customer or am I going to, you know, what am I going to do? And you just shut down. It, it's happened to me. It happened to me with both of these guys in both of these examples multiple times and enough's kind of enough. Um, you know, retail people aren't and, and salespeople, people that you do business with are not punching bags. They're, they're not sounding boards that you get to just treat like dirt essentially um, you know, it, it goes both ways essentially, but just because they're the point person at the company you do business with, it is, it is not acceptable to do this. And, you know, I, I watched a guy on TikTok who owns a, a car dealership and he talked about how in, you know, retail car sales, he's like, people aren't used to dealing with the owner at the business essentially you know, one person or two person car dealership and you're doing the deal with the owner and the owner's just like, F off, leave. I don't have to, I don't want to do anything with you. And it really rubs people the wrong way because they're used to just beating the crap out of, you know, verbally beating the crap out of the salespeople and making them feel like dirt until they get what they want. And, you know, that's the sucky thing. And, in ag retail, um, and I mean most sales professions, you name it, getting these kind of phone calls um, really puts a mental toll on a lot of people. And the, the funny thing is, I, it's often people ask me, why don't people want to be working in agronomy? Why can't we keep somebody at this location? Why can't, you know, it, it, it's not as much the company's fault as it is potentially the people that do business at that location. Um, it's not always that case, but it can be a problem. And I worked at a location where they couldn't keep somebody in there. And then I was there for almost eight years. And I literally got gaslighted for pretty much every year I was there. And like I said, it's unacceptable. It's It's got to get to the point where management needs to understand that you know, and I, I was lucky that I had a boss that understood what the one. I don't think he had an, even a clue about the other guy. Uh, everybody thought this guy was like my best friend. And what it ended up being was the reason I was there so much was I was being gaslighted and, and basically emotionally forced <laughs> to, to do what this guy wanted. And it's unacceptable. It doesn't doesn't do anybody good. I didn't see the signs. I didn't see the warning signs until, you know, my therapist was like, hey, dude, this is like obvious as hell. And I'm sitting there going, no, no, no. He's, that's just this guy. He's, that's how he is. And, you know, I did things and, and helped with things that I probably should never have done because this person gaslighted me and essentially made me feel emotionally vulnerable and, and doing what he wanted me to do. And I, I was not able to see the signs. Um, my boss probably had no clue. And I think the hardest thing for someone who's dealing with anxiety, some of these emotional issues, 
is admitting or realizing that there's a problem. Um, I will say I've dealt with anxiety most of my life. And one of the things I always tell people is that I was always really good at hiding it. And I can hide it from just about anybody. Um, you know, we, we just appear as though we're normal, but we're not overly worried about things, but we're worried about something. And that's really weird. And why do you wear your emotions on your sleeve? And I got pretty good at hiding most of it. Um, I could almost realize what I was doing until I, I couldn't anymore and I couldn't control it. And that's when I had the panic attack. And, um, it's just a big struggle for a lot of people. And how do we combat that? Honestly, uh, outside of asking a lot of very specific questions about business and, and certain customers in, I think there are companies that would do better by dropping some of these guys that do this stuff. Um, it's it's not the most fun thing. It's not the easiest thing to explain to a board or anybody else because these are the kind of guys that are going to complain. And you have to kind of look at the the health of your business, uh, the health of your employees, uh, and the long-term success and the long-term um, employment of a lot of these people by looking at their customer base and determining whether or not the juice is kind of worth the squeeze. And in some instances, it's probably not. And I, I, I don't ever want uh, management to be a micromanagement situation, um, but it, it would never hurt to actually learn how relationships are with certain customers. And, you know, typically for, and we'll end it pretty quick here, but typically the year-end um, year-end reviews are more about the employee and less about the business, right? I mean, it's, you know, this is what you did. This is how we feel about what you did, yada, yada, yada. Somewhere in that performance review, it would be incredibly helpful to ask a question about, you know, how do you feel about your customer base? You know, emotionally, um, you know, how do you, how is your customer base affecting your personal life? You know, we we talk about work-life balance and, and farmers hate the words work-life balance. I don't, I'm not a huge fan either, but the funny thing is we as independent guys or we as, you know, sole proprietors, whatever we are, you know, we have the luxury of determining our hours and if the at noon on a Friday, uh, I don't have a whole lot going on or um, I want to do something, I can work around that and just do it. I don't have to tell anybody about it. And honestly, there's a lot of us in this industry that aren't in retail, aren't in sales that can determine our schedule a little bit. And that also includes farmers. And we have work-life balance. We have a work-life balance that we feel works for us. And we can adjust that how we feel because we are we're the freaking boss, right? I mean, that's the way it is. So we can complain about work-life balance all we, all we want, but it really would be beneficial to a lot of managers to, to speak with those employees and ask them, you know, how their customer base is affecting their work-life balance. 
and more specifically ask them how each customer is doing that and and give me examples of things that you wish you could fix uh things that you're struggling with and and having those pointed conversations and actually asking pointed questions uh, instead of open-ended ones like hey how's your customer base and they're always going to say great but it could be bigger um asking more pointed questions and, and trying to work through these things and, and asking people, you know, how are you doing? No, 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 no. How the frick are you actually doing? And, you know, honestly, I think if I would have had some of those conversations, um, I wouldn't have gone 14, 15 years with this one guy and had to go on medication essentially, which I needed in the first place, but I wouldn't have let it get that far. Hopefully. And I don't know. I don't really blame anybody for it. Um, we're going to end really quick, but I, I really don't blame anybody for what ever happened to me. And I, I feel so much better. Um, I feel more empowered to understand customers and how people are and how I deal with things. And I've looked back and thought, um, you know, this year I, would have let someone go until they called me and basically told me it wasn't working. And I was like, yeah, no shit, dude. But those kind of things happen. And I, I'm glad that I have the ability now to look back and go, okay, this isn't working out. This is causing me more stress than it's worth. Not, not going to happen. Now it's not every customer and don't go telling everybody that, Oh my gosh, Kyle just wants to just drop everybody and just sit at home and be a potato and play farming simulator on, on TikTok live. That might not be, that'd be kind of cool, but regardless, it, it's not that, but I think there are a lot of guys that we have really great working relationships with. We're on the same page. Um, we kind of challenge each other and it, it works great. And I think that's the ultimate of what I want to do going forward is working with people that I, I feel value what we do. And also, I value them as a client, and I, I really respect them as people. And I, I really think it, it works well that way, if you've got that mutual respect going both ways. So anyway, don't beat up on your retailers. And, you know, it's never acceptable to use someone as a punching bag or to gaslight somebody to get what you want uh, or to make them respect you because you're uh, you are you, essentially. And, and doing that tends to make people want to quit. And in three years when they do quit and you thought you liked them and now you got to deal with a new person and then you have to start the manipulation thing all over again. So that really sucks for you, right? But anyway, narcissists suck and I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Rogue Agronomist podcast. Be sure to check out our website, stallagronomy.com and our other social media for more information and other episodes. 